0: Oh hey. Thanks so much for joining me on the Cocktie podcast today. I really appreciate it. I'm your host Gary. You may know me as the DM for the Quest for the Cure, the Iceholes Rhyme of the Frostmaiden campaign, or as a member of the Talon and Claw Twitch team and Jasper's Game Day Ambassador. I'm also the editor and janitor, technically, of Fort Nerd. We're trying to bring you all the nerdy content you can handle all at once. Here's today's news. Uh, News of the seismic variety from D&D Beyond. Many of the faces of the company are out. James Hake, lead writer, left a few weeks ago, and on Thursday it was announced that community manager Lauren Urban, creative director Todd Kenrick, and frontman Adam Bradford are all leaving the company. It's one thing to lose a visible member of your team, but it's quite another to lose them all at once everyone was keen to tamp down concerns about what this means for d and Beyond and the future of the company. After all, they said, it's the dev team that makes DDB go and none of them are leaving. But no matter what the real story behind their departure is, the optics of this are terrible. Our friend Anthony, who is actually our first guest here on the Cocked Eye podcast, has committed to doing something ridiculous and I wanted to share it with all of you. If the Talent and Claw Twitch channel gets 100 new subscribers before March 21st, Anthony is going to get the SS failboat tattooed on his body. Yeah, I'm not kidding. So obviously I made a promotional video encouraging people to subscribe. I'll include a link to that video and to the channel in the show notes in case you're interested. We're really proud of the cyberpunk independence show we're producing here at Fort Nerd with our amazing and talented collaborators, including Emma Wakeland, Felisa Cassano, Amy Lynn and Rachel Seeley. And we're excited to announce the first episode is going to drop on Sunday, March 7th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Fort Nerd Twitch channel. I'm going to include the link in the show notes, but I absolutely cannot wait. My guests today are Brian Gray and Eugenio Vargas, the newest cast members of the Rivals of Waterdeep. They're stealing hearts, and souls too, maybe, it's too early to say, as Kent and Virgil in their first season with the Rivals. Brian is also known as Urb and can be found on the internet at Urban Bohemian. He's a streamer, a foodie, and an all-around nerd, and my god, his voice is magic. Eugenio Vargas is also known as DM Jazzy Hands online and you may have seen him on his incredible turn as the storyteller on Into the Motherlands and as a player on the mini Terrain Domain show Harper's Tale run by our good friend MTD Jake. I'm really excited for you to hear my chat with these fine gents because I really had a lot of fun I think you'll be able to tell. So here now my interview with Brian Gray and Eugenio Vargas. Hey Brian, hey, Eugenio. Uh thanks so much for joining me today on the Cock Die podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: Sure. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, happy to so be here. So, my first question is what was your first experience with Dungeons and Dragons?
2: Wow, that goes way back. Um honestly, it goes back to uh when the company was still TSR, uh the hardbound red book. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I've never seen Stranger Things, but I believe that that is pretty much the the era that most people would associate with the start of D&D. That's how far it goes back for me, so so yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mine is not that far back, actually. Mine just goes back to uh, the summer of, what was it, 2016, I guess? Right before 5th Edition was released. Uh, The D&D Next playtest was wrapping up. I chatted with my roommate one night we both came out to each other as secret DD fans who had never gotten (laughs) to play uh and found a group and started playing 3.5 at that point but that was only what is that now like five and a half years ago
0: Mm -hmm. okay now do you have i know brian it's going back a bit but do you have any memories of your first game like do any moments jump out at you and just think yeah this is this is for me
2: um yes, the it just at that point, it wasn't really about getting into the role of a character, but it was how it was fascinating how the statistics supported the fantasy mm-hmm. um how it made it made it kind of easy for you to get into these roles and to you know to be a magic user or a fighter. So for then it it really was the fact that this is this is really um a game that is all about expanding that imagination and how supportive it was of doing that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, my my very first session, I I took over a PC for a, a long-time member of the group that I had joined who was mm-hmm. not going to be able to finish the campaign. Um, so very similarly, like, it wasn't about, it actually wasn't about that character for as much as that is such a huge part of my love of this game now. It actually wasn't about the character. It was about that thing that I have a feeling a lot of newcomers to dD who are video game players uh from before have that moment of oh my god, this is, this is the origin of, you know, XYZ video game RPG systems, right? Oh my God, this is how, like, this is where hit points came from and experience and inventory and, and, you know, magic items and, and all of those sorts of things. And so it was, you know, I had a relatively high level PC that I was just jumping into. Didn't go great, but that's (laughs) fine. Uh, But to see all of those things that I recognized from video games and recognize that, those video games originally also, you know, stole them from an earlier edition of this game that I remember really clearly and being like, "Oh, I don't really get this yet, but I like that stuff, so let's keep going."
0: Nice. Now, both of you are are fairly active streamers. Uh, beyond your streaming schedules, have you been able to game fairly regularly during the pandemic or is it hindered your ability to get together with people and 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 game?
2: Um Honestly, I had a very, very long hiatus from the hobby okay. uh, because just, you know, there were times when the, the hobby, the players, the, the vibe of it wasn't super welcoming. So I put it down for a long time Okay. and I had not actually picked it up until, until the pandemic, um, when, you know, when our cast member Tanya cypher of Mm tear asked me if I would join her for dungeon crossing where she was teaching some brand new people to the game how to play Dungeons and Dragons and said, well, you're sort of lapsed. So why don't you join us? (laughs) It was the best word I could think of like lapsed, like, okay, yes. Um, and so that was probably the first long running game I got back into. And because of that, I'd done other one shots with other systems. So all I've really done for the past few decades is now most recently virtual, uh, virtual tabletop. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I actually, um, I, in in the before times, was a, a theater artist, an actor, and a music director, so, so I, there's not been a ton of that since <laughs> last March, uh, so, so I have had a lot of time and have sort of prioritized gaming, uh, it has, it, some of that priority has been because, uh, sort of, uh, unbeknownst to me, unplanned by me, it has become a new profession and a new source of income for me, which is great. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also really quickly, really early on uh, discovered that like, that was great. But if I filled my schedule with, you know, the streams and the, the shows that pay me to be there and just doing the design work that I get hired to do, I'm gonna hate this real quick. So I made sure that I had home games. You know, I got a group of my friends who I knew were, had been furloughed from work and we created a RPG system like Explorers Club and we played a different, different system every couple of weeks just to try them out. I called up called up, please. I haven't called anyone in years. I texted a bunch <laughs> of my designer friends and other friends in the industry and was like, hey, we are always playing in front of people. Let's do a Curse of Stroud campaign that's just for us, that we don't stream, we don't like blog about, we just do the thing. And we've been doing that since March. So yes, uh, the short answer is yeah, I've I've made a lot of time to continue gaming during the pandemic and have tried my best to balance it fairly well.
0: Nice. Now, each of you is joining the Rivals of Waterdeep as a new cast member um, uh, for their ninth season. So this will be their their 81st episode, I guess, Um, will be your first. How was each of you approached to join the cast of season
2: nine?
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, um, I chuckled because I have a feeling it's, uh, you know, we both have, Well, Brian has known Tanya a lot longer than I have, but we've both worked with her on some projects and both known her for a number of years. Mm -hmm. I I won't uh, say how many for each of us, but a number (laughs) of years. Uh, And I don't know about you, but it was sort of, hey, you know, we're we're gonna be uh, losing a cast member and we've already been slightly short staffed from what the cast usually numbered as Want to play D and D with us on Sunday afternoons? I don't. It wasn't much more of a to do than that. I don't know about for you, Brian.
2: No, that was that was it. Um, you know, Tani and I are friends, so we have talked about it over over time, and it was something where I said I would be interested if, but it was really me. You say it, you don't necessarily mean it. It's like, oh wow, that would be yeah. amazing to be included in that. I just didn't actually think it would happen but yes absolutely she she just said hey do you want to join rivals and I I did take a moment to think about it because I I wanted to make sure that I could fit it with commitments and my day job and and yeah it was it was really exciting to be asked and I said yeah
0: I know that from speaking to some of your other cast members, I, I, I did an interview with Lutia, and I, I did some uh, print interviews with uh, Sharif and, and Masood and, and Tanya. Um, I know that the show is fairly collaborative, and that's something that they pride themselves on. Once you said yes to, hey, did you want to join Rivals? Um once you're officially cast, um, what can you share about your experience working with the players and the DM to get yourselves up to speed and onboarded into the game? Well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hard-hitting questions, Frank. I know, wow. Um,
2: <laughs> it was, it, honestly, it, it took me a while to even come up with a character and we, um, the uh, the DM, Letia, uh, talked to Ehenyo and me about what are you thinking? What's going on? Um, So we eventually came up with character types and I honestly did a nice deep dive. And then Sharif on the show did a recap um, of of where things were. So it made it a lot easier for me to catch up because while I, I do, I'm a regular watcher of the show. That's often after I'm done with my stream and I'm starting to make my food for the day. (laughs) So I'm half listening a lot of the time. So it was, it was very easy to catch up with where things are and it also felt like they were at a nice they were at a nice pause point where y- you entering as a new cast member would not need to have a comprehensive knowledge of all eight seasons to, right. to jump in
1: yeah yeah i mean you know latia was really great about making sure as the dm that we felt we had any and all of the freedom that we wanted to, to make characters that we would enjoy playing, right? So it was, the, the beginning of the discussion was not, here's what I have planned, make something to fit. It was very much, you know, toss out ideas, let's chat about it. You know, Latia's had ideas obviously about where the, the season is gonna go and what's gonna happen, but she has, well, as far as we can tell so far, she has done that in a way <laughs> that our characters, uh, our characters will dictate why they are there rather than the situation, um, which is really great because it meant that, you know, we really did get to pick uh, classes that we were excited and comfortable about and come up with backstories that, you know, could sort of be whatever we wanted them to be and whether, how much of them or whether or not they're ever, you know, uh, mentioned in game on air is, uh, well, has yet to be seen, but it was right. a lot of fun for us to to know that we have the freedom as new cast members coming into a 14th level campaign at this point (laughs) uh, to really sort of, you know, be nice and expansive if we wanted to be, have that freedom if we wanted to. It was, it was fun. It's been a while since I haven't created a character to fit into something specific.
0: Well, I want to, I want to jump on that a little bit. When you're, when you're thinking about Um, building your character uh, what were some of the key considerations you use as you were you were thinking about it because obviously at level 14 there's a lot of different things you can do Um, did you consider party balance was it more really finding a character concept that spoke to you what were some of the things that were going through your mind as you were developing your character and ultimately finally settled on the characters you chose
2: i i knew that I, I knew that essentially I would want to play a class that I'm generally familiar with. And with me, that's magic users. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just a type of character I'm used to playing, but yes, being told, Oh, create a 14th level character. And we use D and D beyond, which has made it super easy for me because mm-hmm. I, yeah, there, since I left the hobby and came back, there have been so many changes and I cannot keep <laughs> up with all of them. Yeah. But as I was building out the character, I did, I had a concept in mind. It was, it was a bit light, but I actually tend to build stats, stats and abilities and things first, and then sort of the character's story develops out of that. And as I was starting to add higher and higher level abilities, it was getting a little bit scary to realize what these characters will be, what, like, what this party <laughs> of characters will be able to do at this point. Yeah. So I, I definitely tried to. My first, my first run was, oh, I'm building a character in RPG. It's all about me. And I said, wait, no, I'm actually going to have other people. So this will be useless, and that wouldn't be great. So I did pull back a little bit and think about party balance in the abilities that I chose. And then, even when I thought when I thought about personality, I started to think, okay, you're going to be with other people, so make something that isn't, you know, don't make some, don't make a personality or a character that is impossible to get along with.
1: Right yeah i um i tend to build my characters very similarly which is to say i you know uh, get the ability scores uh sort of probably pick race and class uh and maybe background and then really let the personality sort of figure itself out from there um i don't think i've ever built a character at this level that wasn't just going to be for a one-shot or like a one-time adventure, Mm -hmm. knowing that I'm building up this person who is going to have a personality that, you know, gods and DM willing, we're going to get to know over the course of a season or more uh, in a campaign, there are all of these other questions, right? How am I 14th level and not part of an active adventuring party? Like what, what is that history? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Because my concept for Kent originally was sort of this very nerdy, like you know, very he's an archaeologist and is very sort of in his head about these things, and and he's a rogue because, well, he needed to be able to get through traps in the archaeological sites that he explored well okay that's all well and good but this man is a 14th level adventure like he's more than just able to get through a couple of traps and it was really exciting and really fun to have that added sort of facet of the character to be able to build out and to and to have to build out and to sort of see how this is already needs to be a well-rounded person because they have obviously accomplished so much Mm -hmm. and then took a break or something. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll see. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: his feet up. Yeah. I I'm, I approach characters in a, in a very similar way. I, I, I figure out what I want to play. And then I let sort of the, what happens to him f- or her uh, frame how his character is defined. I have a little bit of understanding of where he is and where he's from. But like, for example, I played a character and I didn't come up with a name for that character. And he was a ranger. And so the DM referred to him as a humble servant of nature and the character's name became humble. So um, that's sort of how I, I approached uh, approach character building myself. Now uh, we've touched on it a little bit. Um, obviously Rivals has a really deep history. Um, it's one of the longest running Dungeons & Dragons shows around. Can you describe and and brian, you you did a little bit um describe how you felt as the first episode got closer and closer, and sort of your feelings leading up to that like the five minutes before airtime?
2: Yeah, Brian, how'd you feel? Uh, is terror <laughs> I'd like to go with terror um, <laughs> i i was very I was very nervous um for several reasons that the number one, I think the number one reason is... And she's gonna hate that I'm saying this, but I didn't want to let my friend down. It was a long-running show. It had a lot of history. It was, it's, it's the the, the popularity of it among its among its viewers mm-hmm. was surprising. So I really didn't want to let them down. And I was nervous. It's it's a huge deal. I, I talked about it a bit on social media, the fact that I get to play this game that I felt like shut me out decades ago. The mm-hmm. fact that I get to play on now this long running show. So it, there were a lot of nerves, but I have to admit that once we essentially, once we started talking, um, they sort of evaporated, they're still there. Like I, it, it's still there, but yeah. it, it really was just very, very exciting. Um, but a lot of nerves. Cause I just didn't want to, I didn't want to let the show down. And I had a lot of reinsurance from people, so it was great, but I still had that. I still had that in my gut. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of the same feelings, honestly, f- you know, from sort of different approaches. Um I I had a sense that, you know, that our first session back, the premiere of season nine, we were not the only changes to the status quo for that party. Um, and so I kind of had a sense that there was gonna be plenty of space for us as the two brand new characters to have the spotlight, to introduce ourselves, to be a part of the scene. Yeah. But there was also gonna be, you know, the fact that Celise, Tanya's character, was returning to the party after having been away for a long time. Uh, since, since Tanya was the DM last season, her character was not there. So I knew there was gonna be stuff uh, with Celise rejoining the party. Uh, you know, Brandon's character, Rin, uh, is not rejoining the party this season. So I knew there was gonna be space in that episode to talk about where Rin was. So so that sort of uh, helped to take a little bit of the pressure off, which was nice. Um, yeah, I felt that. I don't want to disappoint. Uh, I, I also felt, and I, I do feel this way when I introduce new characters. And, and as I said, this one being such a long-running campaign that we hope will run much, much longer, you mm-hmm. know, knowing that this character might have some longevity may have amplified the nerves that I always feel when I introduce a new character on stream. Um, You know, when I'm GMing games on stream, uh, a lot of times people are big fans of my NPCs, and the truth is, the big secret about them is that I have very bare notes about most of my NPCs before they come alive Mm -hmm. in a stream, And that works great for an NPC because if you do that and it isn't someone that the audience or the players respond to, okay, so that's okay. They don't have to go back very often. It's not a big deal. I only get the one Kent in Rivals. So there was a sort of sense of nerves of like, I know that people will have an expectation from me about what this character is like, how enjoyable they are, whether or not they're likable is a different thing, but how enjoyable (laughs) they are to watch. And so until I started, like Brian said, until we opened our mouths and started talking, there was that, I don't know exactly who Kent is and I sure hope people like him.
0: <laughs> and speaking speaking to that point, I know that you you're both you're both relatively active on social media and you might have even been in the chat during the game. Uh, how has the reaction to your characters been? I know there's a gif that I that I loved where you're both doing the open hand at the same time. Um, in my that was probably the best part of my research. Uh, Eugenio, your your reaction to that was just classic. Um <laughs> if I could make that my phone screen, I would. Um <laughs> But um, so yeah, that's, that's how, how are, how are the fans of the show reacting to your characters? What are some of the things they're saying?
2: It feels, it feels so weird. It it feels very weird to say this, but they seem to have instantly. They love love us. (laughs) I was not expecting this. um, You know, you and I were talking behind the scenes a little bit Mm -hmm. about, what, you know, did these characters know each other? And we decided that they did. And then we were like, okay, well, how well do they know each other? Um, uh, How well do they know each other? And we said, okay, well, perhaps they're a couple. Recent couple? No, more established. So we we went into it with that, but we didn't, you know, we had done everything to hide (laughs) as many details about our characters as possible. And everybody was asking. So... We're 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 chatting in in the call about okay, well, do we say this? Do we mention this? How do we say this? But in chat, you know, and I will say um Ayohenyo is amazing to work off of. So the the none of the none of the bits were practiced. Like we did not practice any of that. It was <laughs> all building these characters and and their interaction on the fly. And chat was picking up on the little things we were doing, and it was just delightful.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're a ton of fun to play. And and you know, I thank you very much uh for the very kind compliment, Brian. But setting up a joke does no good if someone isn't there to you know pull the trigger on it. So so back at you, my <laughs> friend. Yeah, no, it's been really positive. I think what's really nice, and I. I again, so much of of these characters and the way they're introduced and who they are, I think we are also still learning. But we did we did sort of uh, somewhat somewhat sort of verbalize this to each other. But we did sort of decide that we weren't going to make a huge thing in that first episode about the fact that they're in a relationship, mm-hmm. which which I love for so many reasons, not the least of which is it gave the audience a chance to, decide to like each of us individually right and then when we got towards the end of the episode when it got more and more clear that we were together uh then they were also able to decide if they enjoyed us as a couple as well but like uh, half of the response that we have seen that i have seen and speak for me that i have seen is like oh my god kent is so great oh my god virgil is such a perfect whatever and then also the other half is and they're so cute together. That whole argument about how long <laughs> Kent gets to sleep in was so, you know, so it's, it's, it's been amazing. And it's so gratifying that they aren't just the ship couple, but they are also that apparently.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that, that's amazing. And I'm glad that the reaction was so positive. And, and I can see both of you uh, are really, really pleased <laughs> with the reaction. So um, I, I'm glad that it worked out. Cause when you're, I think when you're, planning something you always hope that it's going to work out and you hope that people are gonna like it but until until you until you step off that cliff you just you just never know and uh, I'm glad I'm glad that people are responding to it. So we've talked a little bit about the history of rivals and and the depth of the show and the lore and, and you know the DM does switch so it's not like some campaigns that where the lore is necessarily going to be consistent the DMs all have a different uh, perspective on on the world and, and how things are. How did each of you um, approach being on the show? And I, I, I want to get to this in a slightly different way. What I mean by that is when you were thinking about yourselves as members of the show, how do you integrate yourself into the show, bringing something new without um, affecting the things that have come before and without sort of disrupting the chemistry that's already there? How do you? were you tentative did you like i'm sort of looking for that um the chemistry angle of how you decided to come into the show
2: i was very very cautious and really you know as as any said as as a said in the first episode we knew that we would be introduced but the majority is how many changes have taken place um so i was i was very hesitant very tentative i and it's weird because of that, the character came off a little bit drier and more standoffish than I had in my head because okay. it's just like, yep, yeah, I'm here, but y'all clearly have things you need to work out. <laughs> 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 um, so, so yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, in overwatching the cast over time and, um, knowing a you they're, they're good at give and take. They are they are good at giving people room when it's necessary and not trying to take, not trying to take focus away from any of your other castmates.
1: Yeah, I mean all of that. You know, it's a smart group of role players that we have joined, uh, and they're very good at what they do. And one of the things that I do think Rivals has navigated pretty well over its eight, so far, eight season history is some real, uh, and, and good for the narrative and handled well, interpersonal conflict among the party. Mm-hmm. And, but I think that requires a lot of space and a lot of trust. And for the two of us, even though we are friends with the whole cast and with the, the, you know, uh, we are familiar with everything that they've accomplished. I, I think I will also, similarly to Brian, you know, take it slow at least for the first bit because there is that sort of trust and understanding that needs Mm -hmm. to develop because the way that these folks role play their characters is real and sometimes that's silly and goofy and absurd and sometimes it's real yeah it's uh, you know I don't I don't know curse on your podcast but like it's (laughs) real stuff
0: yeah Uh, so
1: so it's just about giving that space mm -hmm. knowing that we can have spotlight moments but you know we are new and how you know how do you how are Brian and I reacting to being in a new group is the same way that Kent and Virgil in a lot of ways will respond to being in a new group.
0: And I I think Rivals, one of the reasons that it's been able to last for so long is they do a really good job of sharing the spotlight. Everybody sort of gets a chance to shine in a given episode. Uh, like you know, you've you, both of you. I'm sure you've been, you've watched streams where um, there are one or two dominant personalities, and you know they might be a great role player, but it's not necessarily an enjoyable experience to watch the show because you can sort of see that other. Um, cast members aren't necessarily getting the the same opportunity to shine and I I don't really think from what I've seen of rivals that that is something that um, the show suffers from I think they do a really good job of sort of batting the ball around and giving everybody the opportunity to sort of play with it a bit
2: yeah I agree yeah yeah definitely
0: so uh, as of the recording of this episode of my podcast, uh, you've done one episode so far. Uh, the second one is coming up. Did anything surprise you about the first episode? Like w- did anything sort of come out of left field? what what were your what were your thoughts on it?
2: There oddly enough, there were literally things that I did not remember <laughs> about what had transpired um, with the rivals. so, um, like I had forgotten that Duo was a ghost. <laughs> I completely wow. forgot that, and I, you know, my my reactions in character and out of character were so genuine. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> oh right. Um, but for me, I think it it I don't know. Like coming essentially watching watching the characters, watching Masood and Sharif play the characters after they had just gotten done with Revel's End, mm-hmm. seeing Celise come back, it was very clear what their characters' expectations were upon mm-hmm. her return. And the fact that those expectations were not met was it was just fascinating to be on the sideline. And I'm like, I'm muting my microphone because I'm like my reactions, I'm like, I don't want to be like on the thing. That was that that was fantastic to watch and just see yeah. how genuine that was.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of that, uh, I had also forgotten things from earlier seasons or forgotten the sort of chronology of things. So it was surprising when certain characters didn't know things that I <laughs> thought they knew. Um, if we're just talking about the narrative, I, uh, did not expect us to go back to Skull. I, I have a, we do have a vague idea of sort of where, uh, Letia is, is taking us this season, but, but, She's done a pretty good job of keeping it under her hat, uh, and I did not expect to go back to Troll Skull uh, before we got to this place. And I'm thrilled. I, you know, I, I love Troll Skull as a as a design thing. I've run uh, Dragon Heist myself, and I really like the idea of Troll Skull. And I just love what the Rivals have done <laughs> with it uh so that was a delightful surprise that we did get to you know meet duo in that capacity their their cobalt friend who thinks he's a ghost right. or or eat brian the brain in the jar which may have been my favorite thing um <laughs> yeah so yeah that was a delightful surprise for me
2: now i'm not talking about brian i'm not i can't i can't, I can't. oh my god. i waited as long as i could to not mention him.
0: <laughs> So now um, I don't want you to necessarily reveal any spoilers about things you might have planned. Um, But do you have any secret plots or character revelations set for the rest of the season? Or is that something you would leave to develop over time with the DM or with the situation is like, Oh, my character is going to react this way to this situation. I think this means I'm going to do this at some point.
2: I am absolutely still learning about my character and what i find interesting is that because a eugenio's character and mine are linked i'm i mean i'm honestly still taking story notes about my character based on what (laughs) i did in the first episode right right so i feel like we i will probably work with him to figure out perhaps a story from the past or two and if it's something that latia wants to use great Mm -hmm. if it's just something that fuels a moment that's great but no 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 secret plans yet there i know that both of us have backgrounds written for our for our characters where if you know if latia wanted to use aspects of those sure but um but no nothing there's nothing brewing yet okay not for me
1: yeah i don't have anything huge you know one of the things that i love to do with characters when i build them is know that is tie story and their background to their abilities and their class features and things like that, particularly when I'm building a non first level character. And so goodness, I have so much to work with here. (laughs) Uh, But so I have ideas about what it will look like when Kent uses certain of his class features and things Mm -hmm. like that for the first time, Mm -hmm. um, because I have tied them to this backstory that we don't know much about. But those are just little moments of, you know, yeah, I don't want to say narrative fluff, but it's it's just that sort of stylistic thing that I'll describe, you know, the first... Well, I don't want to give any of it away, but uh, so little things like that okay. to add flavor and texture. But in terms of big stuff, no, I can't wait to find out a big secret that I'm going to reveal.
0: <laughs> okay, you'll be the first to know.
1: Yeah, exactly. well, I hope so, but not necessarily <laughs> at this point.
0: <laughs> if, you, if, if you could describe um, Kenton Virgil uh, in only one sentence what would that sentence be now keep in mind that there's I don't want to run on sentence here I want like a normal length sentence not like commas and semicolons like <laughs> you y'all y'all creatives just take any advantage within the rules to to do uh, to go beyond the limits so yeah one sentence uh, description of your character
1: do <laughs> you know it's
2: you've, you've stumped the panel <laughs> I know
1: well it's it's funny because I the journey that I just went on of, oh, okay, no, I can totally do this. Oh, it's Kent. And like, he is kind of a nerd and he does get excitable about things. So I bet it would be this really long run on. Se- oh, you don't want to run. Okay. <laughs> well, uh,
0: <laughs> no, no. If, if, if Ron's sentence is what you need to deliver, then, then I, no, give no, you, no. I, you think, leave I think we to can do, do it.
1: <laughs> okay. I, look, he he's, you know, he loves a challenge. So, uh, <laughs> so I think Kent's sentence is uh, that Kent is uh an archaeologist from Caradune who is extra <laughs> and fabulous and
2: <sighs> kind
1: of like really in love
2: okay oh. that's great again we there are things that we haven't actually yet discussed <laughs> however um, you heard it Virgil, here first
0: on the Cocktie podcast. Sorry not to interrupt, Brian. No
2: pressure, no pressure to say it back, Brian. Um, <laughs> wow! Oh my gosh! Okay. Um, Virgil, Virgil would say that he had a turbulent past. Coming to Cara settled him down and brought a measure of focus, but that meeting Kent has made him realize that perhaps um, interesting times is not a curse. Ah,
0: very, very poetic. I I like, I like those summaries very much. Um, And I just want to say thank you both for joining me today uh, on the Cockeye Podcast. This was a lot of fun. And Eohen, I do have to say, uh, I'm very particular as an ex archaeologist myself, I'm very particular about uh, archaeology characters. Um, Anybody who has a background, uh, preserving history, not like looting temples and stuff. But that's uh, I, I really appreciate that. So thank you both for joining me. This was wonderful. Thanks. Oh,
1: thank you. For Thanks having me. for having us.
0: Well, that's it for us here at the Cocked Die Podcast today. I'm Gary, your host. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, if the die is cocked, it doesn't count.